Today talks right here. We gonna talk about it right here. I'm gonna talk about everything you like. I'm gonna make it real, real quick because it's today talk. And I'm gonna talk about it. Yeah, because it's today talk. And I'm gonna talk about it. And welcome to another fantastic, wonderful episode of the Tanae Talks podcast. The, uh, I am your host, Tanae. This is the podcast where you come to laugh and learn. The podcast that educates as well as entertains. And today I have a wonderful guest with me and his name is Mr. Patrick M. Oliver. Before I uh, get with what he has going on, we have to hear a word from our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by 810 Taco Seasoning. 810 Tacos is a premium seasoning pack made with nine high quality fresh spices. Um, It is high in flavor and definitely low in sodium. The 810 Tacos tradition is to celebrate life with good food friends and families to make memories and share love one taco at a time. So make sure you visit 810tacos.com. Don't forget to use code TANAYTALKS and you will receive $20 off your shipping. Oh, well, excuse me. You will receive free shipping off um, orders $20 or more, okay? So don't forget to visit 810tacos.com and use code Talks Tacos. Um, but without further ado, I'd like to welcome Patrick M. Oliver. He is a dedicated literary consultant dedicated to promoting reading and writing as tools of empowerment. And you know, around here in the Tanae Talks area, we love empowerment and especially empowering people, especially um, African-Americans for sure. Um, He is the creator and executive producer and host of Literary Nation Talk. Literary Nation Talk Radio broadcast on KABI FM 88.3. He has had such guests as the rapper and actor Common, Hill Harper, who is now running for a Senate seat in the state of Michigan. And he has also had former editor-in-chief Susan Taylor. He has also had two appearances on C-SPAN and Black American uh, America Web. And he is the creator of On My Own, a vision board guidebook for young people. So without further ado, welcome, Mr. Oliver. Hey, thank you uh, for having me start the show off just right talking about tacos. I love tacos. So I'm going (laughs) to get some of that seasoning. Make sure you get some of that seasoning and don't forget to use my code because I'm a native of Flint, Mr. Oliver. I'm not sure if you knew that, but nobody does a taco like we do a taco, okay? What? Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Okay. But yeah, I love tacos. You know, it's kind of my system. I lived in California one time, huge Hispanic population uh, prior to, you know, um, coming to, going to Chicago and here. But I love authentic Mexican food and tacos were always on top of my list. When you said tacos, you know, I can eat tacos any day of the week, any day. Yeah, I don't even need a Taco Tuesday for me to uh, okay. fire some shells real quick. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I'm glad we got that in common. I would like to tell my listeners how I got acquainted with Mr. Oliver 
um, my talkers out there, I was doing a speaking engagement for a retreat for young women. And I wanted to have them do vision boards and I was needing some magazines, you know, so that those young ladies could, you know, have inspiration on what the, what they wanted their future to look like. So I was calling around and I called Mama Quete. If you're in the Dallas Fort Worth area, you got to know Mama Quete. She is the owner of the Pan African Connection. And she is such a gem and a jewel to this community. And so I reached out to her since she owns a bookstore to see if she had magazines. She was out of town and she referred me to Mr. Patrick Oliver. And he was so gracious to provide me with magazines. And not only did he provide me with magazines, he provided me with a copy of his guidebook for creating vision, uh, vision book or vision board. And he gifted those to the young ladies that I spoke to. So I just wanted to, again, say thank you, Mr. Oliver. The girls were so appreciative of that gift that you gave them. And we were really able to have some really guided discussions on writing the vision as the Bible says, writing the vision, making it plain, and at its appointed time, it shall come to pass. Yes. And so I would like you to share with my talkers a little bit about your background and why you as a Black man, are you so committed to um, literary empowerment for young people? Yeah. And again, a big shout out to Sister Corte and African Connection. Like you said, she does a lot for the uh, community. Definitely a cultural uh, hub. Uh, you you got to go there and just get it enriched with all the things they have to offer. And I'm so glad she uh, told you about the work that I'm doing with young people around uh, vision boarding, because I was excited, you know, the fact that you called me and said, hey, I need some magazines, brother, can you hook me up? It's because I've been stockpiling magazines, just keeping them for upcoming, you know, vision board activities that I do, uh, not in just in Dallas, but around the United States. So I was glad to offer you uh, those magazines. But most certainly, I had it, you know, also because the work you were doing to offer you a copy of uh, my vision board uh, book uh, to share with the young people, you know, uh, because it, it's the it, book is very important to me. And I, I've been working with young people for over 27 years now. Mm -hmm. I'm a native of Little Rock, Arkansas, uh, born and raised there, uh, was known in the community primarily as a coach. I coached uh, track uh, and baseball and basketball. Uh, and at a very young age, I was 16, coaching AAU track teams and basketball teams and kind of a prodigy, you should say, in terms of coaching uh, young people. Yeah, I, I, was, I was into it. I was into it. I was, <laughs> my grandfather was the guy, you know, he knew I loved sports. And so I read a lot about sports. That was, that's what got me into reading. You know, I, I love sports so much, and I had uncles and aunties who were providing me with Sports Illustrated and other magazines. Mm -hmm. And so, anytime there was a sports uh, question in my neighborhood, everybody would say, hey, ask Patrick, he knows. So, since that would always come up, ask Patrick, I had to be on top of my game. So, I had to make sure I read everything, sports, <laughs> newspaper, Sports Illustrated, any magazine or article that was out there about sports, in case somebody come to me, I was ready. Because yeah. that was my kind of my uh, notoriety in the community. I was an okay basketball player. I participated in basketball, track, baseball, all of it. You know, but I, I was average, you know. Uh, but my parents, you know, kind of knew it. They knew I loved sports. 
but they also pushed me because they saw me, hey, you know, I, I enjoyed reading and books. So they kind of saw me as just a young intellect. So they kind of nurtured that by, you know, providing me with books and magazines and newspapers and things like that. And so I, I did that uh, the early part of my teenage years coaching uh, sports and uh, spent a year in college in uh, a small city, a state uh, city in Arkansas, went to Arkansas State University for a year in okay. a town, small town, but uh, kind of overtly racist at the time. And mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, I was a freshman, first time away from home. You know, nobody really there, some friends from the neighborhood went to, went to college there, that's why I went. Uh, I had no intentions of going to college, but I knew I wanted to get out of Little Rock. I wanted to go somewhere. I wanted to be somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And, uh, left Little Rock and went to Arkansas State. Didn't stay there, went there a year. Didn't do very well. I was a knucklehead. You can't let a freshman have his own dorm room. <laughs> so you you didn't have, did you have a roommate? I had a roommate, but he had some friends and he would rather stay with them. And they had, they, you know, we had big dorm rooms. So he decided I, I, I just stay with my boys. You know, they from the same city. He mm-hmm. feel more comfortable with that. You know, I didn't complain because I had my own dorm room. <laughs> right. Know? But the uh, uh, upper level students took advantage of this poor little freshman guy, and my room became the, the party room. Mm. Um, and I I embraced it because I thought I was being cool, had these uh, upperclassmen hanging out in my room, you know, having a good time, and I wasn't going to class like I should have, all of that. So my father uh, saw my grades. He decided to come pay me a visit, and I was playing pool when he came to visit me. So that wasn't a, a good thing. And I ended up back in Arkansas and uh, moved to California after that. You know, and worked in the uh, aerospace industry for 13 years, and that's where I found out that uh, writing is a powerful tool. Mm-hmm. I worked uh, again in the aerospace industry for the Grumman, Northrop Grumman, as a contract administrator. I worked my way up from the lab to a contract administrator. I, I knew the power of writing. We had to write proposals. We had to write uh, technical documents and things like that. And uh, that early reading that I had reading magazines and things like that gave me an advantage because I wasn't afraid of words. I wasn't afraid of sharing words, you know, reading documents because again, early on reading those sports magazines and things like that made it read very comfortable for me. So when opportunities came in the aerospace industry, I excelled. What did you find in, in your, um, in your journey in this life? Did you find that most black males did not have your passion for reading or even le- level of literacy. Um, did you find that to be the case? To some degree, um, many of my friends they were they were good uh, in athletics, so mm-hmm. that was the focus. But I, I can say back in the day, um, we didn't have the technology that that young people have today, the phones and distractions and all of that. We just had you know the television. So we didn't have the tablets, we didn't have the iPads, and we didn't have the laptops. You know, we just had the, you know, the desktops. And so uh, there wasn't that distraction per se to always want to see what's happening, what's going on, you know, on social media. So um, the level of reading was a little bit higher because, you know, we went in our classrooms and we were focusing. And because I grew up in housing projects, it was clear about me and my friends our only way out of here is going to be to go, we got to go to college, you know, yeah. or get a good job. We know we had, we had to be to read. We had to be, you know, productive young people. So we kind of had in our head, 
that we have to at least get out of high school. And so we figured, hey, I want to get out of high school to be able to read, to do you know, math and reading. You know, um, so we focused on that. And the other thing was we all thought we was cool. And back in the day, no girl wanted a guy who could not read. Hello. Okay. So <laughs> the mamas let it be known. No, you're not going to date that dude from the projects on the east side of town. And he can't read. They weren't having it. So we had to, because of the side of town we lived in, we had to come and date these young ladies. But we had to, we had to be on top of our game. We had to, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Uh, what's your interest? We had to share all of that. And churches back in the day, you know, we was going to church. We would go to church. And mm -hmm. we had to read the Bible, like you, you read a verse earlier around mm -hmm. this. So, you know, we had theater productions. We had Bibles uh, uh, studied before church started. We had to read to those Black women who were educators who were teaching Bible studies. So if we couldn't read, they were assisting us in reading. So there were there was like this community incubator that uh, created this kind of necessary thirst for reading, mm -hmm. but a, uh, a, a, a kind of a a lifestyle that required that uh, we uh, are, were uh, are articulate orally as well as uh, written. You know, that is so important that you brought the church into it. And also just the idea of being on top of your game and knowing how to read. I think that is becoming lost with the uh, advancements in social media because being on top of one's game is how many followers you have or what did you do that went viral? So the the literary part is not fo is not a, a main focus. And even with my own son, I'm like, are you you know you need to know how to read. I, I if you if if I, if I wanted to date you, I would want I want someone that is intelligent. I, I'm a sapiosexual, so that means that I, I'm attracted to intelligence. So for me, that's <laughs> that is very. Okay. Um, yes. That is very important. Yes. But to your point about the church, I was just having this conversation the other day with my husband. Uh, for many black people, that was our um, that was our golf club, or that was our our social scene, the church. And so you were you were there a lot. That's where you learned public speaking as a child. Yes. That's where you learn about hierarchies and and order of operations. You know, all of that was learned in the church. And you talked about having to know how to read the Bible or those um, church productions, as we like to call them, the church yes. play, or even getting your Easter speech or your or yes. your Christmas speech. And I yes. remember we would be in competition with one another to see who could get the longest speech and yes. memorize it. So, you know, that's the church is very important important not only instrumental in our spiritual well-being but also like you said in the in the oratorical realm and, and those soft skills that you know will benefit us as we go on into into our adulthood that's yes. very important yeah i mean in church it, it was fun uh, back in the day like i said the things that, that we used to do we had a a, a community a family um of friends some of the kids who went to church with me didn't necessarily live in my neighborhood, but their parents or their grandparents uh, lived in the neighborhood at one time. So that was they became their church home. Even though they moved to the west side and the church was on the east side, they still came back on Sundays. And they so we had these church friends and we had you know the neighborhood friends. Like <laughs> yes. you, said, you know it was it was and oftentimes the friends from the west side because they were you know parents were well to do and, and they had it going on. 
like you said, we competed with them. We wanted to make show them, hey, yeah. this, you got better clothes than me. I mean, you're smarter than me. And so when those contests came, we were ready. We were ready to show. <laughs> as they said back in the day, we would show out. You know, okay. so, you know and, we, and we did that. We made our grandparents and sisters and mothers uh, uh, proud of us. You know, when we got our chance, like you said, doing the church plays. And doing those church plays, people forget. Those church plays had poetry by Nikki Giovanni, Maya Angelo, Paul Robeson. Mm -hmm. We just weren't doing scriptures. We were doing literary stuff. I mean, speeches by, by noted people. So a lot of the things that kids are learning at school, we had we got that at church on Sunday. You know, like you said church programs. You know, uh, uh, on you know Sunday. So church had a, a major role, definitely in my life. For sure, definitely me in my life as well. I'm, I'm just so glad that you you bring that to the uh, to the forefront. Um, I know you know with the pandemic and with people you know exploring their religions and their spirituality that you know sometimes church is put on the back burner but it's still a vital part of nourishing us uh, as people and and moving us forward so we we should not forget about the church because all those special things and experiences and friends are there you talk about your your church friends and me and my church friends we're still close to this day, you know. We used to have church lock-ins and sleepovers, and yes. I remember, you know, in the church you can't really celebrate Halloween, so we would have a heaven and hell party, <laughs> you know, just to keep yeah. us safe. It was such a safe haven. So, yeah, vacation Bible, vacation Bible study for a week. I mean, I couldn't believe all of a sudden making me think about all the things we used to do as a young person, you know. Yeah, for the whole week just studying and being around elders and learning from them yeah being around the elders oh my gosh that's so beautiful so i want you to tell me a little bit about more about how you came to write the on my own vision board guidebook for young people were you a person that made vision boards you know prior to you creating this or was it just something that you came to create because you felt that there was a need did you feel that the youth were lacking a vision or where they wanted to go because without a vision they say the people perish and mm -hmm. so what is your inspiration behind that it, it was a combination of things you know um after uh, being downsized in corporate America, you know, I worked in Los Angeles when I got downsized and went back to Little Rock, Arkansas, just to take a break. I, worked, I lived in LA for 13 years mm -hmm. and I went back to Arkansas and opened a bookstore art gallery, you know, because um, I, I love books, you know, and I love art. So I just thought I'd just leave a little family legacy, something I can turn over to them. I can go and do what I, I was going to do the rest of my life. And, um, and that's going to turn over to my family. And but a after school program in Arkansas asked me to. They love my bookstore and activities we were we were hosting. And when I take over a, a church, as a matter of fact, when I take over the after school program and be director, it's like, hey, you guys, how can I do that? I got a bookstore art gallery. They said, whatever time you can give us, the activities you have at the bookstore, please bring them to the after school program. Our children need culture; they need it. And it was a minister who was forward thinking, elder, but forward thinking. And I said, hey, well, I can't close my bookstore. You know, we have to work something out. So we did work something out where I had somebody would come in and work the bookstore while I was going to the after school program from from four to uh, seven o'clock. And it was there, sister, that I 
found out that our children were way behind. Mm. You know, I, it, it just overwhelmed me. It's like, how did this happen? You know, we were just reminiscing, laughing, and having a good time about what we had learned in our community, in our churches. Well, what happened? Why these babies don't have it? That's the first thing that came to my mind. Mm-hmm. And we had a church. Why these children can't, you know, can't uh, relate to uh, us reading poetry, uh, inspirational poetry? Why they don't want to read this? And obviously, why don't want to read it? Because they can't read. Mm-hmm. And so I, we, I had to step back from the program. And I just told the church that with the funding games, all this other stuff we're talking about having, it's over. We got to focus strictly on literacy this first year. It's all we're going to do, literary arts. That's going to be our focus. And it, it made a lot of people very unhappy. It's like, you come in trying to take over and change what we do? No, it's educational enrichment. You can't educate kids if they can't read and write. So yeah, that was the first part when I found out where our children were. And so uh, working that program really opened my eyes to the needs of, of our community. And so me being a formal technical writer, I assisted the church in writing uh, grants to get funding for literary arts uh, uh, programs and projects and just getting young people just to respond, to write anything, just what's on top of your head. And, and also reminding them that uh, your words are beautiful, your story, your narrative, everybody's narrative is different. Just because somebody has this narrative, that's their narrative. What is your narrative? What is your story? And that's the thing I always want to try to get young people to tell their story, to own it. You know, because oftentimes a lot of young people get in trouble because they think they don't have a story. So they're going to do what the next person does, whether it's good or bad. Mm-hmm. And so just reminding young children, uh, you have a story. You need to own it. And most importantly, you got to be able to tell it, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's written or whether it's uh, orally. You got to be able to tell your story to get to what you want in, in life. And too often times our children cannot do that, you know, either, either orally or written, particularly uh, today with mm-hmm. the, the advent of technology. You think they can type or send anything off that's going to tell their story? No, you know, and they want to use videos and I, you know, TikTok is cool, but I, I tell educators all the time, it cannot re, it cannot give kids the requirements or the tools they need to compete in corporate America. You know, they may do a TikTok exercise for you in the classroom, but you can't take that to the boardroom. Somebody's <laughs> boardroom. When, right. they, when they ask you to develop a plan of action to move their company forward, you know, you know, create a TikTok video. Mm-hmm. I mean, in some cases, yes, there's a marketing department that does that. But somebody got to write that script for it. Somebody got to create that content. And so while we can't be content creators for Mercedes Benz, while we can't be content creators for uh, uh, major corporations, uh, State Farm, you know, target content creators, content that, that targets, you know, uh, black folk, uh, Asian folks, that sort of thing. And so that's kind of my little diabolical way of getting our children this vision board guidebook mm-hmm. to understanding what it means to be able to write, to respond to a question, you know, because as you will know, sister, you write grants, they ask you questions about your about who you are, mm-hmm. about your organization, how long have you been around? You know, what do you do? Why do you do it? Mm-hmm. You, know, you gotta respond to those kind of questions if you want to get funding for what you do. If you and can't so, articulate it, then you won't be able to move forward. We'll be able to move forward. And we're moving into a 
highly technological, uh, entrepreneurial uh, future. You know, where more and more people are working from home, mm-hmm. and um, they have to they have to submit proposals to various companies. And say, hey, here's what I can do for you. You know, um, I can do your social media. I can do uh, your uh, uh, administrative assistant. I can do that work for you. Just a number of things. But the bottom line is, you got to submit them some kind of proposal to tell them when you're going to do it, how you're going to do it, and how long it's going to take you to do it. You know, mm-hmm. and opportunities are going to be out of place. The same thing with, you know, if they want to get uh, get into college. You know, colleges want to know something about you. You can't share your, your story or your narrative. You know, colleges are not going to want you. A lot of kids are getting big-time scholarships through grades and through these personal narratives they're writing about themselves. Yeah. You know, they get into major universities, major medical schools, just being able to share their stories. A lot of them have very compelling stories that can get them in any college, but you got to be able to tell that story uh, in writing. Uh, some colleges do sell videos that kids uh, share, but the major colleges... Um, and the, the departments you want to get into some of these major colleges. You got to be able to write. You got to be able to write. You got to be you got to be able to tell a story in, in writing. So that's what the vision board guidebook does. It asks kids, it's 20-some exercises, and it asks kids questions. They got to respond to it, whether it's in writing or in drawing. But, you know, ask them, first of all, your thoughts about what you just read, this writing prompt around health, this writing prompt around uh, being a musical genius, this writing prompt around exercise, nutrition, all these things. And also help young people with that vision. Mm-hmm. Um, because you say, I'm going to be this doctor, lawyer, this high, highly professional person. Well, how are you going to get there? Yeah. How you, you really what's the to get in there? You got to be healthy. You got to stay healthy. You got to be focused. You know, you, you got you to pray. You got to meditate. You got to be still. You know, you got to have mentors. All mm-hmm. these things I ask in, in the vision board uh, guidebook. And, and one of the most important important reasons I did the Vision Board God book was because of, of the pandemic. I had an earlier version of this vision book. It was much smaller. I was just having fun with it. But then the pandemic hit and we lost a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I, I lost my family, friends, and associates, and we lost a lot of people in our communities. And a lot of young people lost uncles, aunties, mothers and fathers, brothers and sisters. And um, 11, 12, 13, 14 years old, and all they've seen is death mm. all around them. You know, on television, they're talking about it. And if, as an adult, if I'm looking at the television and I'm kind of nervous about what I'm seeing and scared, imagine what these fifth and sixth graders are feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, the elementary school kids, parents can kind of talk to them and say, hey, you know, it's going to be okay. And they'll accept it with their parents. But middle schoolers, they're kind of analytical. They can be like, wow. People are dying, a lot of people. And they, you know, a lot of young people were afraid, were scared. So what I want to do with the Vision Board Guidebook was say to them, we got your back. Yeah. In the community, we got you. Stay focused on your vision for the future, but we got you. You know, so I had nutritionists, doctors, ministers, judges give me, I told them, just give me 250 word writing prompts and show the young people and have them respond to it. And writing prompts that 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 are like affirmation based, that are challenging young people to engage in something where they're affirming themselves and they're finding out a, a, about themselves at the same time, and also they're they're responding to it's a call and re, it's a call and response. Mm-hmm. We ask a question and they're responding to it. So we're you know 
it's almost, again, back to me wanting to create the next generation of technical writers. I'm going right back to them by asking these very, uh, I don't think they're complicated questions, but they're fun questions. And yeah. people are familiar with, especially based on, on who they are. I think, um, thank you for sharing that. I think that is so important, um, especially the, the call and response and the understanding. I think it, it boils down to critical thinking, right? Yes. I think what you're explaining to those, those children in Arkansas, they couldn't necessarily understand because they could not critically think. They couldn't necessarily process it. And then when you go down the line and you talk about this vision and, and reading and literacy, I think that all goes down with terminology. If yes. you don't if you don't read, then you don't understand certain aspects of a terminology to get to where you need to go. A prime example, I work in um, education and several students come and they'll say they want to be a doctor. So then I'll say, OK, this is the path to become to become a physician. And they'll say, no, I said, I wanted to become a doctor. I right. say, well, a doctor and a physician are synonymous, the same. Right. There right. is the same thing. This is the, the, I guess you could say the proper term would be physician. And so then I'll explain to them the path of what it takes to become a physician. You know, you get your undergraduate degree, whether you start at community college or the university. And then you take what is called the MCAT. You have to pass this MCAT exam. Then you have to apply to medical school. Then you get into the medical school. Then you have to do a residency and so on and so forth. So there is a path. There yes. is a long path. And so some students are intrigued by that path. And then some students are discouraged by the long road ahead. But if you have the vision and within that vision, you're asking questions and, and you know how to critically think and you know that there will be some challenges along that way, that there will be some roadblocks along that way. But if you maintain the vision, as you say, and you keep looking towards the end goal, then you'll be able to go through those potholes and, and, the, and the rugged weather and all of those mm -hmm. things to get to that goal. And so when I looked at your in, in that book and, and, and the affirmations, that was a key thing that you said and that some of the young ladies that I presented it to said the affirmations in it to to inject some confidence into yourself. How important, Mr. Oliver, is it for people to uh, be affirmed? Yeah, it's extremely uh, important because if you don't have those affirmations, what well, in those challenges, like you were talking about, this road to success, this road to becoming a doc, a doctor. Um, I'll, I'll speak to my neighbor this morning. We were talking about it's the journey. Mm -hmm. It's the, it's what happens on the way. Mm -hmm. You don't want to jump over these complex things that are in life. These challenges you're going to face. This failure you're going to face. That journey is extremely um, important. The bumps uh, on the way reminds me of. The poem uh, Langston Hughes wrote, Mother to Son, uh, Life is No uh, Crystal Stair. Crystal Stair. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, and, and we talk about affirmation, those things, those challenges sometimes can affirm who you are. He's like, I made it through this. Woo! Mm -hmm. You know, I got through it. So now I'm ready for the uh, next step uh, that comes along. So it gives you that sense of, of confidence, you know, it gives you that sense of, hey, I can do this. And we know what's next. You know, that manifestation takes takes place. Once you affirm all this wonderful stuff happening, it's like, wow, I see it. I can see it now. 
and you start reaching higher and higher and the process uh, starts to happen. And those, those goals you, you, are, you identified, you know, many of them uh, come into uh, fruition. And so, and we have to tell young people, teach them those words. You know, what does affirmation mean? What does manifestation mean? Mm-hmm. What, what are goals? What are a real goals? What does that mean, you know? And also talk about, um, I tell people all the time, these to-do lists that you do. Mm-hmm. Those are, those as goal setting, but it's, but it's also a vision. You know, you, you do a to-do list, look at that list, you complete that stuff. That's a vision you've completed. You had a vision that you have these things completed. Mm-hmm. And you, so, you, you know, that's, again, a, another something that you can affirm that, that you've done, that you can now be proud of, that you've accomplished that. And that's why I tell people all the time, we got this wonderful technology around us. I have a lot of teachers approach me. Hey, why don't you do, you know, they have these digital vision boards uh, you can do now. I said, look, I don't want to do none of that. <laughs> I, I want to stick. I want to see kids do the handwork. Mm-hmm. I want to sit at a table together, you know, working. You laughing, know? sharing ideas. Okay. I, I, I love to see the young people look at someone else's vision board and say, why you put that right there? Right. And then right. they're able to explain. I, I put that right there because I, I want I want a big house or right. I, I want to go on a vacation. You know, sometimes they'll put a palm tree on there or, you know, in a magazine, it might have the clear waters. And it's like, well, what does that represent? Oh, I want right. to go to the beach. Yes. And, and I love how you articulated the idea of the to do list being the vision and how even at our big ages, how accomplished we feel when we can say we wash the dishes, clean our house, what? and we get to the grocery <laughs> shop in one day. It's okay. like, oh, God, yep. give me a gold star, okay? <laughs> and, and we really do. I mean, it's adrenaline. I, I mean, I do get it when I get those things done. You know, it's adrenaline. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. My, my friends are always like, today, uh, how many hours do you have in a day? Because I try to accomplish my daily goals. And I'll, I always try to make sure that I get at least a two mile walk in daily. And that's just for me to maintain my health. Yes. Uh, because yes. I lead a sedentary uh, eight, uh, eight to five position. So making sure that I get those two miles in, you know, to help with my overall physical and mental health you know, mental health, but the to-do list is important. And you spoke on you and your neighbor discussing the journey. And I cannot emphasize the beauty of the journey so much because the journey is character building. Okay. You build your character (laughs) in the journey. (laughs) If, If it wasn't for those upperclassmen using you, you wouldn't know what it would be like to be used. You know, you know what it looks like. Yes. You know what it sounds like. You know what yes. that sweet talk sounds like. Yes. You know, yes. you know that you're my boy, but you're really not my boy. I'm trying to use you looks like because that journey built your character. It sure did. It sure did. <laughs> it sure did. No, yes. All of, all of those steps, you know, because we, we, we forget about that, you know, the, those yes. small things. And they're not small. You know, in the big picture, particularly, like you said, their life's transformative experiences. Mm-hmm. That if I hadn't had the experience, I wouldn't have known that, wow, you know, I thought I was really doing something. I thought <laughs> I was really the dude. You thought you were a big man on campus. You're the, the biggest fool. You're the biggest fool. 
you know, and we have to think about that nowadays with young people because mm -hmm. that's how they get persuaded into doing acts mm -hmm. of violence, you know, yeah. acts of, you know, just, you know, doing things wrong because they're trying to either influence somebody or be hip or be cool or be part of the crew, you know, and so we have to really, particularly black boys, you know, mm -hmm. uh, they're at a very difficult time now, you know, where uh, the world is telling them that they have to be extremely, almost hostile to be respected, you know, mm -hmm. and then that hostility um, is done around the immediate uh, friends, family, and associates and classmates. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's a problem. All these black boys, you know, uh, got this bravado now and, you know, say the wrong thing to them, they'll go home and get something, you know, and so that's one of the reasons I, the vision board project, I try to get more more boys involved in it. I got a journal, I feel things down because um, it's, it's just a challenge now for, and young ladies too, you know, you got young ladies dealing with this whole hot girl thing, you know, so, <laughs> you know, we, we got boys and girls all going to, you know, wilding out as opposed to celebrating the beauty and sophistication of black culture. You know, mm -hmm. we're some awesome people. We just got to get our children and our community back to it like we talked about back in the day. You know, have these spaces of reverence, having these these safe spaces, these be still spaces. We can't just be gone all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, and even getting on th these phones, you know, all the time, the day, checking them, checking them. I have to watch myself, you know. Has anybody texted me yet? Have I got this email yet? Ooh, let, let me see how many likes I got on my this latest Facebook post or this latest Instagram post or this LinkedIn post. We're constantly, you know, moving and distracting. And um, I, I must say, I'm, I'm I'm doing my best to lay off a, a little bit. You know, it's, it's challenging because I have a business. I'm trying to promote literature and books and people are on social media. But I, mm -hmm. I'm trying found a, a balance, you know, uh, from this, because it's, it's um, it could be a great tool, but at the same time for our children, uh, we need to really watch what it's doing to our children. Yeah, that's very real, Mr. Oliver. And I, I too am struggling with separating from the phone. I'm constantly on it. Even my son is like, okay, mom, you know, get off the phone. And we had a rule at our house no phones at the dinner table, but these last couple of weeks, we have just literally been ignoring it. But yeah, we do we do have to, you know, regulate ourselves. And I just want to just thank you for the work that you are doing with young people, being a, a role model in the community, using your knowledge, your gifts, your experiences to pour into young people so that they can um, have a plan for their journeys and their vision and know how to get from destination A to B. Um, and so I would like to reiterate that scripture again, that write the vision, make it plain and at its appointed time, it shall come to pass. Yes. And you used, yes. you talked about manifestation and all these buzzwords that are out there right now. And yes, you can manifest it. You can think about it all day and, and hope that it comes. But if you don't put the work in to get to that manifesting dream, it will not come to fruition. Work, work, 
You got to work towards it. You got to affirm yourself along the way. As the song says, you got to encourage yourself along the way. You got to surround yourself with others who may have a similar vision or yes. even if they don't have a similar vision that they're working towards the, a goal of their own. Um, I work with so many young people where you'll have, I, I just saw this the other day where you have a boyfriend and a girlfriend and the girlfriend is super motivated. She's ready to go and move forward in, in, in her future. And she's trying to carry the weight of that young man who just doesn't want to do it. And in my role, I can't tell you what to do, but what I can do is point out the obvious and say, hey, make that decision based on this right here. Yes. <laughs> and so uh, as we close out this beautiful talk, again, I want to thank you for being a guest on the show. Um, can you give us some closing remarks to the listeners out there about um, their visions, and also close out and let us know about your website and where they can get your vision book. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, you know, thank you for the opportunity. Like I said before, we went live. I just appreciate what you're doing, the energy you bring to uh, your podcast. It's very inspiring. It's important. We need we need this. It's even more important than some of the television shows we watch on television because they don't always get to the, the real needs of, of our people and have the, com the necessary conversations to address some of the needs in our community. So thank you for this podcast. Thank you for inviting me to be a part of it, or me inviting myself to be a part of it. <laughs> um, I really appreciate you for that. You mentioned something earlier about walking. Wellness is so important. You know, I, I walk four or five uh, days a week. It's a, I make it a point, you know, um, because that walking, as you well know, because you walk, you know, four or five days a week yourself or more. It's, it's a be still time. Mm -hmm. you know, you're walking by yourself. You know, you're walking, but uh, oftentimes some great ideas come in my head, you know, while I'm walking because I'm just I'm just like, wow, it's clarity, you know. Yes. You're moving your body's movement. Everything is moving. Your body, your blood is flowing. And obviously if your blood is flowing out in your body, it's going to come to your brain. So your brain is blowing up as well. Well, you know, so I, I really want our people to focus. It's extremely important. Uh, I've been a foodie, a, a wellness advocate for a, a number of years, just trying to get people to focus on that. Because that's one of the major challenges facing us now with all the different mm -hmm. foods and stuff, out of the GMOs and the, what they're putting in the foods and things of that nature. So uh, I cook a lot. I, you know, I grew up old, old Southern. My father was in the kitchen. My mother decided to go back to school. So my father had to do the cooking. And so I saw a black man uh, cook. So I'm not afraid to get in the kitchen and handle my business. You know, so it's, it's important to black men uh, that we do that. We can't pull up, you know, to drive in and feed our family. You know, we got to go and get in that kitchen and wash some greens and go and cook them. You know, if we have to right. make some yams, you know, make some breakfast. It don't take much to make uh, a breakfast. My father made my brothers, made my oldest brother cook breakfast every Saturday for mm -hmm. the family. You know, made my mother and my sisters feel like queens. But his goal was that my boy, my son is going to be self-sufficient. You know, that, that's what men supposed to be able to do. If they have to cook for their family, they're going to be able to do it. Not just work, but also whatever it takes to run that house. Son, you, you got to be ready to do it. And so I just want to tell folks, wellness is extremely important. 
your mental, spiritual wellness. You mentioned earlier, watch the people you hang out with, because that's part of your wellness, your spirituality, uh, and you know, your mind, your body, and your spirit. Let's be on top of it. And we'll be ready for any challenge that come our, our way, because they're coming. You know, they're constantly coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was happening, the work I do around uh, literature, literacy, the banning of books. Uh, we just saw something yesterday with that madman, that evil person in Florida wanting to teach middle school kids that slavery was a reward. That was a, 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 a something that was, they learned something from being enslaved. So we're dealing with that kind of madness and teachers who want to push on our children. So we got to be ready, got to be prepared for this war. And one way to be prepared is physically, mentally, and spiritually. And that's part of our culture as Black people. We always were ready for any kind of battle. Just look at our history. Look at our immediate history. In our own families, there's some beautiful stories in all of our families that tell us about victory and vision and, and manifestation. That's right. Well, thank you so much. Where can my listeners follow you on social media? www.speakloudly.com. That's my uh, website. You can check me out there. There's a lot of good information there. I need to up, add some updates. We've got some events coming up. Uh, they can catch me. I'm, I'm on Facebook. Just uh, Facebook. Just say it loud, readers and writers, or my name, Patrick Oliver. Uh, I'm also on um, IG uh, uh, as well, LinkedIn. I'm on all, most of your social media pages, except for TikTok, I decided, hey, I can't do TikTok. I, I'm going to overload myself. <laughs> There's so much I can do. I'm on Twitter. I don't post that much on Twitter, but definitely I'm on Facebook, IG, LinkedIn, and uh, my website. We're doing some really fun stuff. and hope people can, can check us out and see what we're doing and be part of some of the events we got com- coming up. You know, um, the African-American um, uh, Museum is hosting the Tula Summer Book Fair, 18th and 19th. The 19th is a book fair, so we'll be doing... Uh, panel discussions there and a lot of fun things and uh, that I think people would definitely enjoy. We'll be talking about uh, publishing and writing and creativity. Um, got some great authors and, and, and book illustrators who are going to be part of that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And thank you to my listeners who tuned into today's show. Um, be sure to go visit speakloudly.com to learn all about getting your own vision book for your young person in your life or even for yourself. Again, today's show was brought to you by Tanae Talk, uh, excuse me, 810 Tacos. And you can use code Tanae Talks Tacos at 810tacos.com to spice up your taco Tuesday night. Again, peace. Peace.